0: Welcome to LifeSource Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Well, I say it to you because we are in this sermon series entitled Family Matters. Last week we talked about moms, moms matter, and it was on Mother's Day. Today we're going to talk about dads matter, and it's not Father's Day. Yeah, Andrew, I don't know. By the way, those lights are... The front row, you probably have a breaker out in the foyer. Um, I want you to be able to see my face, you know. <laughs> and so we're gonna talk about dads today and the fact that dads really do matter. And as we talk about fathers, here's something that is an inescapable reality. That means that for some of you here today, this is gonna be a hard sermon. And I'm not talking to you so much about you who are fathers and who may get challenged about what God says. I'm talking to all of us. Because we all had fathers that at some point, sometime, some way or another, let us down. Whether they meant to or not. Whether they were aware of it or not. Some of us here have had fathers who really let us down in major ways and maybe who hurt us in some way maybe in multiple ways. We had fathers who abandoned, who were absent, who were present, but were absent. And so sometimes as we think about these things and we we hear about what God says about a father and what a father ought to be doing and how that affects us and uh, how it affects us when that isn't happening, it can be a hard thing. But I just wanna say to you, we, we sang about it, and we're gonna talk a little more about it later in the sermon. But God, the Heavenly Father, has not abandoned you. He hasn't. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you that we can look to you and your word to understand life and what's going on around us. So that we can live our lives in a way that show who you are and honor you. And we experience your blessings as we align ourselves with the truth of your word. So I pray today that your spirit would speak to our hearts and minds. I pray for those, Father, who have experienced deep hurt, that you would bring some healing there in their relationship with you. But for all of us, Father, we would know what it means to be surrendered to you in our lives and also understand the role of a father. And I pray especially for those who are fathers, Father, those who are going to be Um, that you would shape their thinking and their hearts on this issue today. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in our culture, it is becoming more and more clear that our culture doesn't think a father in the home is a great necessity, okay? Uh, We we hear that, you know, uh, two moms can do just as good a job as a mom and a dad. Two dads can do just as good as a job um, and uh, the Word of God says it's not true, okay, so therefore it is not true. Uh, we're told that single moms uh, in a situation that that's just as good as having a father in the home. Uh, again, the Word of God would say that's not the case. And what's interesting is that modern secular psychology is catching up with what God has said all along, that the role of a father in the home is very, very, Important. Let me read you some, some uh, research results here. This was in uh, the June of 2013 edition of The Atlantic Online. Uh, it talks, the title was The Distinct Positive Impact of a Good Dad by Bradford Wilcox. So he, listen here. If dad is present in the home and has a good, generally good relationship with his children, not perfect, none of us are perfect in that, right? But dad's there and it's a pretty good relationship. Boys are half as likely to be involved in delinquent behavior. Girls are half as likely to become pregnant as teenagers. In fact, the absence of a father is the single greatest risk factor for teenage pregnancy. Both boys and girls are less than half as likely to become depressed. Okay, so the issues of depression our health by having a good father in the home. And, and the research went on and talked about why they thought this was. And they, they said, you know, the dads bring a different approach to child rearing than moms do. Remember last week we talked about how moms are kind of unique uh, to this issue? And we're going to elaborate on that with dads now, too. But it says the dads play differently with their children, they are typically rougher and more active in their play. Uh, they are more likely to encourage their children to take risks, embrace challenges, and be independent. Now, now, let me just say that anytime we have research like this, right, there can be stereotypes. Sometimes the mom's the one who's more active than dad. But ge- as a general rule, okay, we talk talking about under most circumstances. So a dad is, is more likely to encourage their children to take risks, embrace challenges, and be independent. And it said this, they noted this. When helping children try something difficult, they like to try, you know, go ahead and give it a try. Dads are more likely to stand behind the children and be encouraging them like this. And so the child is out here facing this, whatever it is that they're challenged by or feeling fearful of, okay? Whereas moms tend to get out in front of the child where they can keep an eye on what's happening in the, the, the child's face, and because moms tend to connect that way more. And so mom's kind of in between a little bit. And so they, they, they think that, they said, Fathers are typically more successful at protecting children from outside threats like predators and bad peer influences. If there's a strong dad in the house, those who would do your children harm are less likely to come around, okay? In matters of discipline, fathers tend to be firmer than moms and more likely to enforce discipline. Again, this isn't 100%, but this is a general rule. This leaves children with the impression that they have to obey dad, I might not have to obey mom, might not, I might, get, but I have to obey dad. And I know in some of your homes it's just the opposite, I know, but moms are more likely to reason and to appeal to relational and emotional ties to get a child to behave. And it, They noted that the combination of both of those in a home is really valuable, okay? And so if we take the way God designed moms and the way God designed dads and bring it together, it's the best of both worlds for that child. Now, I think about this uniqueness that there is, and I think of some scenarios, and it just, it kind of, it's kind of humorous to me, but, you know, if mom looks out the front door and sees the little boy picking up rocks and slinging them, what is she likely to say? Open the door and say, put down those rocks, stop throwing those rocks. Somebody's going to get an eye put out, right? And dad looks out the window and sees the kid throwing rocks and he goes, oh, cool. And goes out there and picks up rocks and says, what are we throwing at? You know, here, let me, let me show you how to hit it, okay? And you teach the kid how to hit what he's throwing at. That's the difference between mom and dad. And by the way, we want boys to grow up into young men who know how to hit what they're aiming for. And a bigger lesson in life, right? So that's a good thing. And also, so now we have dad inside the house and and mom's talking with the daughter and and he hears them, just all this girl stuff and, and laughing and they're talking, and all of a sudden he hears, boy. Boy? And you realize that they're talking about some boy and how she feels and all this kind of stuff. And what boy? Who is this boy? I wanna know this boy. Does this boy know I own a gun? Tell him I own a gun, and and then he looks at his his the girl's brother and says, "And I know how to aim, uh, hit what I'm aiming at, right?" <laughs> and you know, then so she says, "Daddy, you wouldn't really use your gun on him." "Nah, nah." You know, you're a beautiful young lady, and I understand. I understand. You know why he would be interested in you, but tell him I have a gun. <laughs> and the idea is not about having the gun shoots a gun shoot us, but what's happening for this daughter is that there's somebody who's saying, I'm gonna protect you. I will protect you. If you find yourself in a place where somebody's not doing right by you, I will be there in the middle of it. You just let me know, and I'm gonna be watching out for you. And that, that's a world of difference for a young lady as she heads out into the world. And so God has uniquely designed men for success, as fathers, not as mothers. So he's uniquely designed them for success in these ways. Well, let's, let's go to the word of God now and talk about what God says dad's roles are. And we're skipping to that next slide, John, beyond that. Okay, so let's talk about dad's roles according to God. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter six. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter six. By the way, I learned something in my life group a couple of weeks ago, our life group. We were sitting there talking about it, and I think we... We went to Ephesians or something, and, and all of a sudden one of the ladies says, God eats popcorn. <laughs> God eats popcorn. And then she explained to us. That's how she remembers what order. It's Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians. God eats popcorn. Now that was worth coming out for today, right? All right, Galatians, Ephesians. So we're in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. And it's page 1347 in the Bible that's in the chairs there. If you don't have your own Bible, we'd encourage you to grab one of those and follow along. Page 1347. We looked at this uh, first three verses last week, talking about moms. It says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And the promise that was attached to this back in the Ten Commandments was this, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So God says when we we give our parents a rightful role in our lives, it has a positive effect in our lives, even to the point of enabling us to uh, potentially live longer because we follow their wisdom. So we're to, obviously, to obey our fathers, same way we talked about moms last week. And by the way, if you didn't get the chance to hear that, I encourage you to, to uh, go online and, and look that up and uh, watch that. Uh, but we are to obey our fathers when we are at home under their authority. And then when we move out of the home, out onto our own, or we get married, uh, now we no longer have the responsibility to obey them, but we do have the responsibility to honor them, which is to uh, value them and to value what you learned for them. Sometimes even if it's just negative things that you learned and learn to avoid. their reasons to honor your father, and so honor, obey, and honor your fathers. But here's what I want to focus in on as far as your role, your responsibility. Verse number four. He says, "And you fathers." So he singles out the fathers here. You fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Do not provoke your children to wrath. Apparently, fathers have. Uh, um, an innate ability to provoke their children to anger, to make their ch- kids angry for some reason. It, it very literally, the word that's translated here means is, uh to anger alongside. So the idea is as you go through life and you're doing your stuff, don't interact with your kids in a way that just angers them. And I gotta say, how do we do that? How, you know, how is it that we would anger our children like that? Well, I think the the verse tells us because it uses a contrasting word, right? Do not provoke your children to wrath, but. So instead of provoking your children to wrath, do this. So how do we not provoke our children to wrath? By doing what he's going to tell us now, okay? So what does he tell us to do now? He says, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So notice that this is is a very conscious, on purpose kind of thing, bring them up. So you're thinking about, okay, how do I interact with my children and bring them up in their relationship with the Lord and being engaged with that. And he says two things to focus on. First is bring them up in the training of the Lord. What is that, the training? Well, in the the King James Version, uh, it used the word nurture. And the idea of nurturing is to provide the nourishment needed to succeed, providing what the child needs in order to succeed at being a a human being that loves God and lives in this world the way God wants them to live there. So nurturing, uh, very literally translated, sometimes translated tutor, tutor, okay? Tutor your child about what it means to have a relationship with God. Tutor them, uh, train them as we've seen. Uh, educate them, this word is often translated to educate. You are to educate your children, fathers, and that responsibility is given to you. To tutor, to educate, um, to, and just to provide this training. So now let's look at the next one, then we're gonna elaborate on both of them. And then he says, and the admonition of the Lord. This admonition uh, means it's like a gentle warning. It's pointing out that, you know, that's not a good way to go or, Let's look at this differently. You aren't seeing this right. And it's giving that kind of direction it's, uh, to a child. So we really have here two kinds of training. One is what I call proactive training. And this is this first one. Bring your child up in the training of the Lord. Proactive training. This is where you, on purpose, think about how do I bring my child up? I, I, this child, when this child is old, this child needs to have a personal relationship with Christ. This child needs to know Christ and what he's like. This child needs to understand the word of God and the principles of God and how those things work. This child needs to know how to read and to write so that he can read the Bible, so he can read other things he needs to read, so he can interact with the world. He knows how to get, he needs to know how to get along with people so he can be a, you know, a good neighbor he needs to understand all of these things. So it's everything that this child needs to know. And there needs to be this very conscious thinking about it. How do we do this? And he says, Dad, this is your responsibility. Now, does mom have a role in this? Sure she does. Remember, God created Adam, created Eve, and he brought Eve and said, Eve's here to be your co-partner in this and help you. But he lays the heavy weight of responsibility for this on dad, not on mom, and then mom works with dad to accomplish that in God's plans. Now, two main areas that I think, I mean, this, this, this encompasses everything, okay? But there's two main areas that I want you to think about dads needing to address very specifically that often get neglected. We don't think of it this way. And the first one is this, dads, your child's education. Whoever educates your child will spend a lot of time with your child and will have influence in your child's life. And so you need to think, how am I educating my child? Because believe it or not, it is not the government's responsibility to educate your child. God does not say that here. It's father's responsibility to see that the child's educated. Now, You can choose to use the public schools to provide your child's education. You can choose to use a private school or a private Christian school to educate your children. You can homeschool your children. You can do some combination of the above. But what you have to understand, dads, it's your responsibility to look and say, how is my child being educated? Is my child being educated in a way that is going to help this child to be able to do what he or she needs to do in life? which starts with a relationship with Christ, all those things we went through, knowing Christ, knowing the Word, be able to live by the Word, and then all the academic stuff. Will they be able to read and write and balance their checkbook? I guess you guys don't balance checkbooks anymore, do you? You let the computer do it. Or you just go online, and check and see how much money you have. Now, that's not a good way to do this. Dad, you need to teach your kids. That's not the best way to do that. All right, so here's the deal. Let's talk, let's talk about it. In the, in the public education system, uh, you have to understand that there is an underlying philosophy that is anti-Christ, is anti-Christian, and is hoping to influence your children to adopt different values than you have probably. Now, that doesn't mean all the individuals that you interact with are like that. There's some amazing Christian people in the public school system and, and others who aren't involved. So, I mean, I'm not talking about individuals. I'm just talking about as a general rule, though, okay? And, and as well as pooling them with all of their peers. Do you know what the Bible says about... What's in the hearts of children? It says foolishness is bound up in a child's heart. And that is, right? They start off, don't they start off foolish? And it says, but the rod of correction will drive that from them. So the idea of of discipline and correction, we can help them become less foolish. But what happens when we take a bunch of children whose hearts are filled with foolishness and put them together? We have done what? Pooled their foolishness. So you have that aspect, and then you have the philosophical things. Now, so what I'm trying to say is this, is if you believe that God has led you to have your children in the public schools, if you gotta do that, if that's what you believe God has led you to do, but you also have to understand, since it's your responsibility to educate your children, you need to be actively at work, engaged, trying to figure out how do we overcome the negatives that are there? How how do I engage with my child so my child learns to see the things that aren't true there? And, and, you know, accepts the truth instead? How do I engage with the people who are providing this training in a way to pr- pr- provide protection for my child? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Dads, you have this responsibility. It can't be, oh, they educate my child. This verse here says you educate your child, okay? So you need to take that responsibility. If you put them in a private school, a Christian school, the same kinds of things are involved. You just hope that the people who are there are more friendly to what you're trying to do with their kids. If you keep your kids at home, now the problem is you have to get it right, right? Because they're going to become like you. I mean, there's no perfect situation. But what needs to happen is that dad needs to say, I need to make sure that my children's education works for them and not against them. It's my responsibility as dad to do that. And to make with my wife whatever decisions we need to make to make that happen, okay? Now the second area I think probably has come out of just the way we've approached the first area, which is well somebody else does that, right? Somebody else educates my kids. And that is the biblical spiritual training of your children. Dads, you have that responsibility. You need to actively engage with this responsibility. Say, It is my responsibility as a dad to make sure that my children have a really, really good opportunity to come to know Christ, that they understand the issues of what it means to be a sinner and to, to be in need of a Savior. And they understand what the Bible says about who Jesus was and what he did and how he died for our sins and rose again and how we by faith can receive him as Savior and have our sins forgiven and grow and change and have eternal... That's my responsibility as a dad. And not because I'm a pastor who's a dad, but because I'm a dad. And you who are fathers, that is your responsibility. So let me just say it to you, it's very, you need to hear this. It is not the church's responsibility. I'll elaborate on that in a minute. but not the church's responsibility. Nowhere in the Bible do we see the church being told to train up children in the way they should go. Who is told that? Mom and dad and the dad here specifically. You can't abdicate that responsibility. You must at home from time to time on some sort of regular basis. You must be the one dad who opens up the Bible and and says, let's talk. Let's, Let's see what God says here. Let's try to understand it. And maybe we all sit around and say, we don't understand Okay, well, we're gonna keep working on it. We're gonna relax, but we're gonna seek God together. We're gonna pray about things when they come up and we need to to teach our kids that, but it needs to be happening at home and, and boy, it has to be the real thing. I'll elaborate on that in a little bit. So let me tell you, what is the role of the church then? Well, the role of the church is twofold here. The first one is this, is the role of the church is for us to teach you what you need to know to succeed at what God has given you to do. And so we're, every week here, we're trying to help you dads and everybody else to understand what it means to have a relationship with Christ. How does that live out? What does that look like? How am I not doing it when I should be? How am I, you know, whatever's involved with that whole picture, we're trying to help you become godly men so that you can pass this on to your children in your home. Uh, the second part is this. We can provide things to help you succeed at that. So every Sunday here we have a, a, a Bible program called Bible Adventure downstairs. The kids love it. They're excited. And it's so valuable for them to have other people besides you speaking into their lives. Lots of good ways to do that. And so that is a help to you. But what you cannot do, Dad, just say, oh, that I'm, I'm just going to take them to church and let them do that. Because, you know, there's, there's this reality in your household. Whatever dad really thinks is important, kids are gonna catch, hmm, that's important. This so it's really, really important that you in your household own that responsibility, okay? All right. So that is the proactive training. Now let's talk about the responsive training. This is the admonition part of this training and admonition. Let's go to, in the Bible Bible to Deuteronomy chapter six. It's page 209 in the Bible that's there under the chairs. Deuteronomy chapter six. By the way, just to let you know, one of the things that we're doing this summer is we are having a training time for parents to help you succeed at these things. And we're gonna have about seven weeks of this. We'll be getting you the details. But if you have a kid, if you're gonna have a kid, uh, even if you've already had kids and your grandparent, if you want to, we encourage you to, to take advantage of those uh, classes. Deuteronomy chapter six, page 209, verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Can we just put it this way? God comes first in everything. Make sure God comes first in everything. Make sure that God comes first in everything. That's key to being able to do the rest of this. Verse 6, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And we know that the Jewish people took that all very literally. Uh, but the real point is that you need to keep this in front of you all the time. And... and so I'm, I call this a responsive training, and I, I was going to use active training, reactive training, but react doesn't sound quite right. Like but we want to communicate. But responsive training. This is where you walk through life with your child. You take, you know, your, when your child is with you. When you get up in the morning, are are you thinking like a Christian and acting like a Christian, dads, when you get up in the morning? Well, not till I get my first cup of coffee, right? No, we ought to even act like Christians on the way to that first cup of coffee. So when we do that, when we're going to bed at night with the kids, what do we talk about? Is the, do we make the connection with them about our relationship with God as we're putting them to bed and maybe talk to them a little about the day and pray with them about the, the day? As you go along the way, you take them with you. When you go places and whatever you're doing, whether you're on vacation together or you're running errands together, do you see what God is saying here? All these places, if you... If God is first in your life in everything, as you go in these places, you're going as a Christian, you're thinking like a Christian, you're trying to respond and act like a Christian. And he says, don't just do that. As you do that, talk with your children about it. When issues come up, and issues have come up, won't they? Anybody ever had somebody cut you off and then even though they cut you off, they're mad at you? And then they say things? Words that your children never heard before. Gestures, I mean you get opportunity to talk about that, don't you? And then you get an opportunity to talk about maybe how you interacted with somebody and why you interacted with them that way. And this doesn't have to be every sentence, every word. That isn't the point. Because lots of things to talk about that aren't that. But you as dad need to say, I need to walk through life with my children in a way that they get it. That life is about Christ and living for him. It's not gonna happen by accident. It's gotta be a reality in your life for this. You you can't pass on what you don't have. And so we need, it is amazing how many times, and probably some of you here, you quit darkening the door of a church, you didn't go for a long time, then all of a sudden you had a little baby and you went, (gasps) and you thought, I gotta go do something with them. And this whole child rearing thing, if you'll let it, will change you in awesome ways. All right, so uh, responsive training is, is the second. The proactive training, responsive training. Now what I wanna do is talk to you about this. Dads, you're, you shape what children believe about God. You shape how children see God, what they think about him. Let's go uh, to Proverbs chapter 17. It's gonna be page 744, Proverbs chapter 17, verse six. It says, children's children are the crown of old men. Children's children are what? What would we call them normally? Grandchildren, that's right. Grandchildren are the crown of old men, and I like that, okay? I get the older, I got grandchildren around and it's kind of like this glorious thing, that's awesome. But then it says this, and the glory of children is their father. Somehow, some way, what's built into a child is that when he looks up to dad, that dad somehow seems like God. That makes sense in a little child's life, right? Because who's the biggest, the baddest, the the most, you know, all those things. And glory. I would say to you that there is no glory that does not originally emanate someplace from God. And so when it talks about the glory of children as their father it's telling us that children look up to you and and they learn a lot about God from you. And, And so here's the thing. If you as a dad are a loving dad and you are present and you are actively engaged in your child's life, it is not hard for that child to believe when you tell them that God loves you. And God is present here and God is actively engaged in your life. That child can say, I get it. I, I can believe that. Why? I've seen it. I've seen it in dad. But if you are not loving, if you are not present in your child's life, if you are not actively engaged with the child in meaningful ways, and then you tell the child or the child hears at a church, you know, God loves you and he's present in your life and then he he wants to be actively engaged in your life, you might say, okay, but you don't really get it. It doesn't, Connect with you. If you are around, Dad, and, and rather than being around and being available, being emotionally available, you know, for your children, if you're there but you're distant. And by the way, as I go through all this, I just got to tell you, I see so many places I wish I'd done a better job. I'm not talking You say, oh, this is how I did it. I did do some things right, and it worked. I did plenty of things wrong. But if you are physically present in the home, but you are not available, there's a high likelihood that your child is going to grow up and struggle with the fact. They might Oh yeah, God's available. Yeah, God's here, but he's somewhere here. You see what I'm trying to say? If you are patient with your child, and, and, but you're firm and you deal with things that are wrong, but your child knows as you're disciplining that you love them and, and you care because you really want them to succeed, you know, then they can see that's what's happening with God, that God is patient with me. And yes, he will bring discipline to my life, but he only does it because he loves me. But if you are impatient and harsh and, if, you know, if you get angry when your child does wrong, you get angry with them and you strike them because you're angry and the child that's going to grow up and think that God is like that. And, and so many problems, you know, that, that Pastor Dave and I and, and Matt deal with, with people who bring problems. There's this problem they're facing, and as we begin to look at it and try to get back behind it and we unravel, what we discover is they have a defective view of God. They have a wrong view of God. And where does that start? That wrong view of God started with dad. Now, mom has influence in this too. She does. But I think, dad, your influence is huge here. And that doesn't mean that dad's responsible for everything that's happened, it doesn't. Because here's the deal, we've already talked about this. We we raise our children up the best we know how. We trust God, we do it. And eventually our children do what? They make their own decisions in life. They have to choose to believe. They have to choose to obey. We get that. They're going to do that. But man, I can set them up to a place where they have something to build on. Or I can set them up for struggles. So really what we're talking about here, dads, is if I want to help my children really be able to see God in the right ways, then I have to become more like God myself. I have to become more loving. I have to become less selfish. I have to become willing to set aside what I want to do for somebody else's well-being. I have to be willing to make hard life decisions that maybe weren't where I would have gone in life but I need to go here because of my children and my family. I need to become more like Christ so our children can see and know God the way they need to. This is what I want to say to you, I mentioned earlier. There are some of you here today who, some of us, all of us at some level, but some of you, a whole bunch, who are struggling because your father did not model in any way the way God is, you know, just like virtually none. Abandoned you, kicked you out, uh, did not care, wasn't interested, was harsh, hurt you. and you have struggles because of those things. But what I want to say is this, and I said it early, early. Your heavenly father has not abandoned you. He hasn't. In fact, we have a promise from him, and we looked at it last week, but I really want to push into it a little bit here today. Psalm 27, David said, When my, mother and, or my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. And I want you to know this, that to whatever extent, and by the way, all of our fathers fail at some, to some extent, don't they? Because they aren't God. All fathers fail to some extent. Uh, I've failed, like I said, much more than I wish I had. Uh, but when dad isn't there to, in doing what dad is supposed to do, God loves you. And he leans into your life and pushes into your business in a way that you may not even know or understand, but he doesn't abandon you. And he may bring somebody into your life to help fill that role for you. Maybe in a long-term way, maybe in a once-in-a-while way, he may just somehow rather overcome this in your life. And I say overcome it, I don't mean the struggles aren't there, but he's, he's there enough that you get it and you can... However it works... God promises to be there when dad isn't. Lean on that. Just say, okay, God, and and be grateful for that and trust him to work. Oh, I want to. Do you see how important your role is, Dads? You see how important your father's role was in your life? What I want to do is I want you to give a bigger vision. Dad, by the way, you can succeed at this. You don't have to be perfect, you gotta be real. We say that a lot around here, right? You don't have to be perfect, you gotta be real. You gotta keep going forward. Do you understand the worst thing you can do for your child is say, this God thing is important, and then you live like it's not. Hypocrisy, you just told your kid, I'm lying to you about God being important you got to live it. And so you be real, you you pursue God, you say, oh God, I'm such a mess. I don't even know how I can succeed at this. I'm struggling with this. What do I do? And you keep pursuing God on this, and God will use you. God will use you in your children's lives in amazing ways. But what I want you to see is there's even a greater vision for being a dad than this. Turn to Psalm 71, page 666. And I just freaked a few of you out. It's just a page number. Psalm 71. In this Psalm, the Psalmist is talking about you know what God has done and God please continue to work in my life and I'm trusting you for these kinds of things and I'm gonna do my best to live for you and then he says this in verse 17. He says, oh God, you have taught me from my youth and to this day I declare your wondrous works, okay? So I've seen it, I know it, I believe it, I'm trying to live it out, I'm trying to share it with others. Verse 18, now also when I am old and gray-headed, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. So, Dad, when your children grow up and head out of the home, your ministry's not over. Certainly you have an ongoing ministry to your grown children at some level. You have an opportunity, hopefully, with your grandchildren. But this is bigger than that. Okay, so you've, you've tried to live your life as a Christian and you raised your children as a Christian and now you're getting older and you realize, okay, that seems like it's all gone, what's going on? You say, you know what, I'm gonna live today For this new generation that was not my generation of kids. I'm going to live for this generation so they can see and know that you, God, are real and that your word is true. I am going to live in that way and I'm going to be open about this and I'm going to connect with people. And I'm ready, God, for you to use me in a father role anywhere you want me. Boy, we desperately need that in our church. We need men who have been dads and who say, I'm still a dad, I'm available to be a dad anytime and anywhere I'm needed. We need that in our communities. And the family is so devastated in so many ways. And we need it in our nation. Big job, dads. By God's grace, you can do it. You can. Not in your own strength, but by God's grace. And if you're here today really feeling that hurt from a dad, I want to encourage you. Look to the Lord and say, God, you know where I'm at and you know the hurt and the pain, and I need you to work in my life to get me through this and to change me and grow me. And he will do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that you are a perfect father. Uh, We, our fathers, weren't perfect, and some did a much better job than others. But, Father, I pray for the dads here today that they will catch a vision for what their role is and how you will use them in the lives of their children and beyond. And for all of us, Father, to understand the importance of of that role, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much, you are dismissed.